and welcome to another edition of Indie Outlook, that part of the Tech Gaming Podcast where we look at big ideas cultivated by smaller, more autonomous developers. I am Robert, your unflappable editor-in-chief, and with me is Tech Gaming's sorceress <laughs> of social media, Sai. What are you laughing about today? Um, nothing. Nothing. You were laughing about something. How are you? Doing great, thank you. Yeah, ready to talk some games? Oh, yeah. Now, before uh, we begin, one of the things I want to do is plug another podcast. In the interest of full disclosure, Sai also works for Phoenix Online Studios, who just released oh. a clever three-part point-and-click adventure entitled Supreme League of Patriots. Now, I mention this not as an endorsement to go out and play it, but if you do, I'm sure Phoenix <laughs> won't be too upset, but instead to listen to an interview with the developer, which is really insightful, energetic, and funny. So, so check it out. It's posted on the Phoenix online studio blog and give a listen to Sai and Giancarlo. Good oh, stuff. No, I really you. liked that it. Was, I, I really that liked was a, it. That was good that was stuff. a big surprise. This was not in the notes. <laughs> that is the only other podcast, or actually the only podcast I listen to. <laughs> Besides <laughs> well, having to edit this one, which is pain for me. But anyway, enough complaints. You guys didn't oh. tune in to hear me complain. So with that, let me jump into a few titles that have invaded my spare time uh, with one that has besieged bedtime, captivating me with uh, <laughs> customizable catapults. I'm talking about a game uh, from UK-based Spiderlean Studios, and that game is called Besiege. Currently, it's an alpha, uh, and it's a bargain at six ninety nine, and it shows a lot of promise. So the basic premise, as you move your way through the games, it has this little big planet-esque user interface. It's to do things like destroy people, destroy buildings, and occupy different areas. And I know this probably sounds horribly violent and, and bad-mannered, but it's not nearly yeah, as bad as it sounds. So, so one of the <laughs> things, we, we talked a little bit about the, about the uh, show, before the show, is the aesthetic of the game. Oh, Although amazing. Yeah, people and, and sheep, they, they pop like water balloons filled with cherry Kool-Aid. Although there's that, <laughs> there is a little violence. Amazing. Yeah, the the game has this diorama style aesthetic, and it constantly reminds you that it's actually kind of this funny, cheery little physics-based plaything, and it's not this uh, not this horrific simulation of of hegemony that the title would indicate. So you start every round with a single blue block, and, and from there you can you can add additional wood blocks to build a structure. You can add wheels. You can add steering components, flying parts, uh, armor. No, no lollies. Um, oh. Tried to build kind of a mecha, but I'll talk <laughs> about how that ended in a second. In tears. Uh, and, and naturally enough, there, there's plenty of weapons to ensure that um, you, as the designer, you are your Siegecraft's most dangerous enemy. So, so um, there is a click-through tutorial that explains kind of the fundamentals. But what I like about it is it leaves plenty of room for explore, exploration. It doesn't tell you every single detail and make you follow that. Um, uh, Spiderlings, they, they kind of take off the training reel, wheels early and let you do whatever you want to do. So in the first stage, you make a vehicle that, that rams a building by um, just by crumbling into it. And the next le level has you occupy an area uh, surrounded by landmines, which kind of infers that you should pare down your your this big monstrous wagon into something slim and nimble. So, so pretty soon, offensive elements, they come into play. There are enemy archers that aim uh, arrows towards your craft, and there's cannons that, that pepper it with fire. And if you take too many hits, uh, pieces begin to splinter off. And the, the thing that's so genius, the thing I love about the game, is that 
even if they drop off, they're still under your control. So it's like the chicken with its head cut off, you know, and you get one fleeting chance. That's a chance. horrible analogy. Well, you get one, one last chance to kind of flop over and bite the farmer. <laughs> so, so there it is. That is such a horrible analogy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, vegetarians. I apologize for that. So anyway, um, so the, the beauty of it question, is... Question, question. Yes. How customizable is the construction setting? Because it sounds really fun. Minus you you dinner. could basically do build whatever you can think up with the parts that they give you. Um, they're are they maybe, limited? Are, are they unlimited? Well, within they give you a box, and you can't build something that transcends the boundaries of the box, but the box is big enough to build damn near so whatever. anything, any amount of pieces yes. is good to go. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I've yet to, to max out on that. So, so one of the things that does happen, and the missions, they offer broad guidelines. As I mentioned, they tell you destroy this, kill a certain number of people, but they don't stipulate how you could do it. So, so what happens, most games would give you, you know, I'm going to give you two cannons, I'm going to give you a plow and a flaming ball, but this game gives you complete autonomy, which is really clever because you this end up yeah, you end up creating this improvised kind of suicide vehicle that can barely move because it's <laughs> overburdened with explosives. Like early on, all I built weapons. Yeah, I built one thing, and it was just like all these explosive um, bombs all over it. And a single arrow hit one of those, and it blew up. And what's really kind of a testament to the game's creativity is I will often play the same level um, with the same exact vehicle just to see how the events play out. And you know, they're they're kind of random every time. So there's a, there's very little scripting. And each attempt does feel um, does take a different trajectory there. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, one of the things is, as I mentioned, uh, chaos kind of inevitably is, ensues with each round. And one thing is, you sense any sense of honor and dignity, you usually end up kind of flailing around wildly, sending cannon fire in different random directions, and your flamethrowers are spinning around. That you know, and that kind of ignites besiege uh, little world there. So a lot of fun uh, on. The other part of the podcast, um, Blue Segment, we talked a little bit about the drawbacks and difficulties of uh, permadeath. And despite Jeremy and Blue's kind of dislike of the mechanic, one of the things I wanted to talk about today are games that are built around it. So uh, in the interest of continuing that discussion, one of the latest games with that mechanic... Tiny um, Cube! You... you Ruin my I totally did. Yes, I, I Tiny Keep. the moment. Uh, so Tiny Keep is an action-oriented, it's a 3D, kind of roguish from Fi Games. Um, so, so the game starts you. I don't know why. I always think of Elder Scrolls. I know you don't like Elder Scrolls, but I always think about when you start in a cell and you have this opportunity for it escape. It kind of gives me the, the old vibe of the sort of like Dungeon Keep made RPG. Yeah, yeah, Dungeon Keeper and Death Trap Dungeon. A little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, it is very action-oriented. You know, when you first start out, you, you get this note from a uh, your, your fugitive cellmate, and that kind of strings the plot along. And, and really, as soon as you read that, before you even have a chance to think, guards are in pursuit, and you're scrambling to find a sword and shield to protect yourself. So soon, you know, you have those items equipped, and once you have that, you, you have a fighting stand, uh, a chance there. A few hacks can put guards down there are archers there um and how hard is it to get around them by the way because i can see in the screenshots that there are a lot of them yeah it, well when the skeletons come out i'll talk about that in a second it's when there's a few enemies they're not very smart and so you know archers it's easy to kind of take cover behind a wall and then between shots you go in and rush them 
Uh, and the other guys, you know, you can kind of lure them into traps as well, which is, which is you know, a really fun mechanic. I, I always enjoy luring my enemies into traps. I think we talked about that on the last show. More games should do that. When well, we talked about the mistake. Um, but, yeah, the, the environmental devi- um, devices are really cool. There's a fire cauldron that when it's knocked over, it starts blazes, um, with, you know, so there's these oil spills there and those can light up your attackers um there are plenty of plate switches where it sends spikes and there's rooms with giant kind of uh, uh spiky arms that, that you know can take guys out pretty quick upgrades they, they come in two forms there's a 15 and 100 gold altars and they bestow perks based on um your level of generosity there uh the other notable features i mentioned uh besides the procedurally generated floors are these mysterious vats of liquid uh, once you examine those, as I, as I mentioned, there's an army of skeletons <laughs> that just pour out, and they are they are um, large in number, uh, and so they are usually my downfall. And so the game, it, it might not be worth a purchase for everyone. Uh, I did have a good time for it with it, uh, but I def- definitely recommend buying the game as part of a bundle. So if you ever see it bundled anytime soon, it's got three separate game. endings as well. Yeah, did I, you get any good? I, I didn't see any of them because I suck. Because when the skeletons come out, <laughs> I, I I just run around like like oh I don't want to say a chicken with my head cut off because that would be offensive. But I'm just run, running around trying okay. to like hack at one or one or two, and then you know they just kind of mob me, and uh, you know try to lure them from the traps and stuff like that. But that's how my permadeath almost always ends. Tiny keep, sigh. Don't suck. Don't suck, yeah. <laughs> suck less. Uh, what have you been playing? Um, I've had the chance to try this new game that came up on Steam recently. It's called Gear Up. It's a, fast mo- it's a fast-paced multiplayer that allows you to control a tank into three different packed options here. You've got Conquest, Deathmatch, and Team Deathmatch. It takes about, if I remember correctly, 16 players into one match, and, well, happy to say there is a healthy amount of people playing the game, which means uh, you will also find a lot of options to join. Uh, surprisingly entertaining, considering I could never get into Robocraft. I, yeah, I could never get into this. Yeah. yeah, because I remember Robocraft came out last year, and I saw it, and I didn't really care much for it, but, uh, you know, I love online gaming. I just could not help to stay away from this one. Um, I'm currently ashamed to say how many hours I've got in Team Fortress 2. Um, Let's see. Yes, More you are 60. open. Let's not talk about it. Don't worry. Wow. You're open. <laughs> You're open to change anything you would like about your tank, uh, from the Hulk, the turret, the propulsion pieces, anything, and even of course you, know, you can upgrade your weapons. Every single tank comes with a standard build, of course. You know, offering all the weak stats that you don't need, like in armor, DPS, speed, and you know, eventually you wait, get wait, to. Wait, wait, you know, wait, wait! You don't need stats. I live and die uh, by No, this. I'm saying that you do, but this low stats make you oh. too showable. Oh, okay. That is even a word. Okay. It's like Hulk. <laughs> of course. Yes. Eventually, you get to go to the store and you buy all the pieces that you can possibly need. You can upgrade your armor. You can uh, increase your uh, DPS. You can, uh, of course, uh, get different kind of cosmetic items. There's some sort of like a metallic shark or something. They're really good, like all these little pieces that you've got there. And of course, you know, as every single free-to-play game, there are restrictions with this. Without a membership, you are bound to get limited space storage, which means it's going to mean that it's a little bit difficult to collect all the cosmetic items, you know, 
as I said, there's plenty of them, and of course, you know, ideally, you would want to play to get as many tokens as you can to buy them all. Um, as an arcade shooter, I think the game is really fun. It only takes a few minutes to get the hang of it. I mean, how you get to maneuver your tank around, and you know, the game is just visually enjoyable. I think you would like it personally. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised how to to see how they managed the free versus speed accessibility in the game. I mean, usually this kind of perks are hinder a little bit your gaming experience but this one it, it feels good it feels nice that you, you can actually play as long as you want as many things as you want of course it's just going to the the paid membership is just going to give you different um, loadout abilities and space storage and all those kind of things you know mm -hmm. uh, two things that you should know before you get into the game water is bad and you will run out of ammo <laughs> like many mm -hmm. other different kind of free to play games it's that you actually have to be keeping an eye on your ammo I like the game. It was a lot of fun. Until um, so you run out one, of ammo. They want to know. No, but you can actually get more. It's just that usually this kind of pew pew games, you don't think much about these kind of things. But yes, I mean, any kind of games like that. But the one and only thing I will have to say about this is that it feels a little bit unfair to clump all gamers in the same servers. Um, something along the lines of, you know, a little bit of organization with this will be better. Something like you will find, let's say, Killing Floor. I know you hate Killing Floor, but I love Killing Floor. No, I like Killing Floor. Having, don't say that. Having ranked. That's a lie. I like Killing Floor. <laughs> having different ranks and stuff because I remember my very first game I got like two shots and, and I was like, that was it. I was like, did I already play the game or what? What the hell happened? Mm. It's just that sometimes you get different ranks in between and you know, when you have someone that is, you know, looks like a gigantic spider that is going to eat you from hell and you know that you're going to die. What was your advice weapons. to me? Suck less. <laughs> you are now. Touche, yes. <laughs> I am. Continue. Oh, um, no, well, that was the one game. <laughs> That was the one game that I got to enjoy this uh, very recently. I also bought Forward to the Sky. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Forward I, to I'm the not Sky. Done. I'm not done. I want to know about weapons. What kind of weapons are there? Are there rocket launchers? You've got throws? a lot of different things. You've got from laser beams to rocket launchers, anything you will want. It's really good. It's interesting because not only do you have the option to customize your tank into... I don't know, if you want to make it a gigantic shark, you can make it so. But also you have different like, uh, abilities to change. For example, you can have uh, some sort of hover and some sort of like spider legs and stuff, mm. anything you would like. So you've got this one thing that I really enjoy from the game, the fact that you have different options, even though it's a free server, even if it's a, even as a free game because you're not actually paying for it. Yeah, because everything you get to pay, you pay for it with the tokens that you get from the game. So it's accessible for everybody. It's a lot of fun, really. You have at least uh, nine different maps or something. I'm not sure how many so far. And with the different game options, you have a lot of things to go through. So like that match or just the conquest. The conquest is my favorite. I like the look of the game. It's kind of bright and airy. It doesn't Looks dwell in the, really in the dark browns. And that it's most, really fast-paced, too. <laughs> yeah, the, the, a lot of kind of online shooters dwell in that. I really think you would like it. Well, I'm sure. going to try it. I'm going to try it. That's good. Get my ass kicked in Three two seconds are good. by big spiders. <laughs> I'm going to stick it to the spider, though. So spiders, watch out. What else have you been playing? Any lolly games? <laughs> yes, I've been playing um, Forward to the Sky. I recently got it, and I must say, it's this charming puzzle platforming games that brings some sort of a mix in between what it would be an adventure and action game. I, I will say it's, um, it's quite a charming, casual indie game. 
the story is about a lolly princess. Of course, everything that you will ever want it to be, a lolly princess. Okay. <laughs> uh, one day, he decides to take on the job to collect all the crystals in the big sky tower. It helps to encounter this witch that apparently used to protect the crystals, and now she doesn't anymore. She just became evil oh. and is using um, this tiny little, very cute skeletons to attack everything that you know hurt everybody. You have about six levels to go. You go, uh, you work your way from different multiple puzzles as you discover more of the story of the Sky Tower. The game, I think, it's fairly easy to understand at first. I mean, the controllers are very simple. You control the princess with, you know, both the keyboard and the mouse. The combat is also um, fairly simple. I mean, it's, it's kind of like Zelda, in a way. You have two types of moves along with a gigantic sword that is, you know, bigger than your big and fluffy dress. Even on thought that you might be on top of the world, you can't die from falling, but you can take damage, so if you die, I mean, you can die at least from this, you will be forced to restart the level. I got to play at least three whole levels of it, and I can say that I, it kind of feels a little bit quick at times. You want to consider working on the achievements, you will have to dedicate a little bit more time per level trying to find all the crystals and whatnot, you know. It, 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 that way it becomes a little more enjoyable because it's not, it doesn't feel so quick. The puzzles, as I mentioned, they're not really complicated. I must, I must admit and I'm not a big fan of environmental puzzles like that because they require the skills and coordinations that I do not have. <laughs> <laughs> but really, other than that, I mean, uh, the difficulty is not that bad. And if you don't suck like me, chances are that you can complete the level in probably like 30 minutes or so. If you take into perspective, you know that this makes it a bit of a short game all around. I believe, though, that it's important to say, though, that I believe that uh, the developer, Wen Chain, I hope I said his name right, recently commented on this. He made an interview and he explained his idea behind developing the game. And he said that his idea was to make some sort of a relaxing, beautiful, fun game that anybody could get into. We can get that satisfaction that you just finished the game. I must say that I do love casual games, so this is one of the things why it got me into buying the game. Well, the obvious praise about the game, of course, would be that the princess and the world, everything is just adorable. It's got vibrant colors, the music is good. Character design, it's just flawless. I absolutely love everything, I mean, the little skeletons. Just when you think, you know, the game got a little bit repetitive because, you know, the scenarios and whatnot. Then I got to the third level and I just fell in love with the game all over again. It's really beautiful. The mission seems to be okay. I didn't get to see anything wonky. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> One thing I've got to say there about the game is that the voice acting could have been a little bit better. At least, I, I think, in my opinion. She sounds really cute, but sounds kind of silly at some points. Um, silly? <laughs> I'm starting to believe that maybe it was intentional. I'm not sure. Other than that, uh, you know, I bought the game and I'm happy that I did. Animal Games is a small group of people that apparently are working very hard from Taiwan trying to make games into, you know, because there's not enough lollies in this world. So buy the game, supporting developers. Do you think I'd like it beyond the whole lolly factor? I'm sure you want to be a lolly princess. It will change your life. I kind of want to be the evil magic girl. <laughs> the evil older magic girl. <laughs> Was like scorned. I'm not really sure if she's older. She looks really young oh. in the <laughs> the chat. <with> us, but <laughs> she's 17, so that's older. No. 
Anyway. Wow. That, no comment. No comment. <laughs> that wraps up this edition of Indie Outlook. So uh, now let's keep it indie with an interview with Dan and Ryan, who are here to talk about Paperbound. Also, Ryan Phillips, former all-around great dude, and now head of Mr. Tired Media. So, Thank Dan, you. welcome to the show, Ryan. Welcome back. Thanks. Did, did you say Ryan was a former all-around great dude? Yes. That, that is a reference <laughs> to his, yeah. his past work. Kind of slacking lately. I've been uh, kind of downgraded. Uh, yeah, still in the Nether world, but, you know, just, uh, yeah, downgraded. <laughs> by slacking you mean working 14 hours a day yeah yeah it's mr tired i mean that's why we made a a face palming like balding man is our logo mascot a little too much like me (laughs) okay so let's get right into it paperbound uh is a very interesting work um one of the things i've noticed is it's immediately accessible to players it enjoys kind of a a smash brothers like 2d arena appeal but it's also a a bit innovative players able to to change gravity on the fly now i'm sure this this synopsis um didn't do the title any justice so dan can you in your own words kind of describe the the game for us uh paperbound is a game where you walk on walls and throw scissors at people's faces and just have deathmatch craziness and all these arenas from old books um, you play as characters from those books as well, you know, the backstories that Magic Dust has brought them to life, and what are they going to do? It's a video game, so they, they fight each other, and uh, so it's two to four players on the same screen, it's it's local multiplayer only, uh, and it's really fast and twitchy and chaotic, and you can flip your gravity at any moment, and um, so it really rewards both um, fast reflexes, but also thinking and wrapping your head around how the physics work. Yeah, I did mention scissors in the head, that would have been better, huh? <laughs> <laughs> now, now lately there's been a uh, little bit of a resurgence in those local-based multiplayer comp- competitions. Uh, titles like Towerfall, uh, Sports Friends was another one, and they, these titles kind of showed the uh, showed the virtue of communal gaming. And personally, as a kid, I played uh, Combat for the 2600 with my dad, and then later uh, games like Bomberman and Worms um, there. Now, now, what, in your opinion, is the appeal of these kind of local sessions? Um, it's just when you're right directly in the vicinity of somebody, you get a lot louder and more boisterous and start yelling and trash talking and just, you know, brings this energy that's really exciting. Um, and of course, if you want, you can bust out some drinks and do it that way as well. Sure. What's the craziest anyone's ever got when they've uh, demoed Paperbound? Uh, I don't know. I yell a lot whenever I play. <laughs> the award for craziest. <laughs> we were in, we were in like a uh, like a restaurant in San Francisco, and we were just having like dinner, and we were check, uh, checking one. I think it was the PC build. So we just like loaded it up, and we're like in a restaurant, and we were just getting all loud 
playing the game, like reacting to it right right in front of a sushi bar. It was really funny. So. A nice little posh restaurant there. Huh? Yeah, it was kind. Of, it was kind of like halfway between a. Uh, it was kind of like a food court slash kind of a little bit higher end food court. But you know, we were playing a game and um, people came around and be like, "Oh, hey, what is this game?" And then one guy was actually a game developer, so we were just. Uh, you know, the, the epitome of just awesome grassroots showing, pe- showing people the game type stuff. You can't walk into any sushi bar in San Francisco without meeting at least two or three game developers, right? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> how you know you're in San Francisco. You just, <laughs> it's going to happen. Right. Now, now um, one of the things I want to talk about was your background. Uh, you worked on some titles from High Moon, High Moon Studios, Transformer titles, and also the uh, Call of Duty, Advanced Warfare. Um, and I want to know how these experiences helped shape Paperbound. Um, well, you know, I I worked in that studio for six years and another studio for a year before that. So, just being in the industry, I, I got a lot of experience, you know, to develop my skills as a programmer and also to you know see some of the production processes and all that. And as well as just building my personal network, you know, I was able to rely on some people that I met through working in the industry to help me with little bits here and there. Um, but yeah, I don't think this game would have turned out nearly as good, you know, if I had done it, say, right out of college. Um, even if I had the money at that point in time, which I didn't. Did you always have an inkling, like, hey, I'm going to leave here and go strike it on my own? It's something that's been a dream of mine for a long time. I want to say forever, but honestly, it's hard to remember. I know I always, I know I was, I think, 13 when I decided I wanted to make video games for a living. Uh, um, and... I always had visions of being like the next John Carmack when I was a teenager. Um, and uh, so I, I actually pursued graphics programming for a while. But uh, and it, I had a lot of fun, you know, made some games that, or helped make some games that I'm really proud of. Um, but at the end, it still mostly felt like working on someone else's game, which is why, uh, you know, left to make Paperbound, to have something that I can really put my stamp on and say, this is mine. Um, and, you know, fulfill that creative uh, uh, urge. Uh, but, yeah, definitely just developing my skills, developing my network, and uh, being able to save up some money are all uh, reasons of good things that I got out of working in the industry. I would definitely recommend um, going that route to a lot of people, you know, get some experience, and then if you want to do your own thing, you've got the, the abilities that you need. Now, now let's talk a little bit about the concept. Uh, the concept um, for contention in words and conflict within a text uh it almost seems like the antithesis of a of a multiplayer action brawler yet yet paperbound unites the these two different worlds so how did that how did you dream up the concept of the game yeah the concept started first with the gameplay and the mechanics it all started with that whole gravity idea of being able to have your gravity adjust to the curves of whatever surface you're walking on and you know be on ceiling and walls and whatnot. Um, and when I first started making a prototype of it, I had this little literal stick man of just straight, solid color lines that I had because I didn't have any art at the time. Um, and then I went and talked to a friend of mine who uh, I used to work with at High Moon Studios, um, and I was looking at some of his art, and he had some really cool art where he had this sort of parchment paper, and it was being peeled back and popping out from behind were all these little demon creatures. And I thought that was really cool, and so I kind of combined the two ideas. They're like, okay, maybe there's a stick man, and you know, he comes to life, and he wants to explore these old books, and he meets all these creatures along the way. Um, uh, 
And so, yeah, I developed it into this idea of just having these books with the levels and characters from them, and they battle it out. Yeah, and then the ink bombs kind of naturally evolve from that. Yeah, um, in an early prototype, we just had, like, a static explosion sprite, and I was trying to think of, what can I do to, uh, you know, jazz this up, because it, it, it's just a static sprite, you know, it's just still image, and so it didn't look super awesome um, in context of all the motion of the game, so... With my background as a graphics programmer, I was like, oh, what can I do? And uh, so I came up with the, the ink thing, which required zero like art drawn by an artist. It was all just done programmatically. So every time you throw an ink bomb, the pattern is actually unique. I'll, I'll check that out. Um, now, there are five different books in the game, uh, everything from Dante's Inferno, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, um, and each of those has multiple pages. Now, obviously, you picked uh, these works as they're in the public domain. But l let's say, for instance, you had free reign to uh, to bring in intellectual, other intellectual properties. What would you have loved to uh, have have used in the game? Hmm. Um, Besides Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> I don't know. I can't really think of anything super recent. You know, the most recent thing I could think of is, you know, everybody loves Lord of the Rings, including myself. So it would always be cool to do... Some kind of like Gollum or Gollum's cave level or something like that, um, but what I've been thinking that it, um, it could use a uh, like a bit of like a traditional medieval kind of fairy tale kind of thing, um, which is something I'm thinking about maybe doing for uh, you know like an update. Maybe we can add an extra book, assuming you know the game sells well enough to do that. Um, I really like Treasure Island. That's a favorite book of mine. Um, which, but that's also in the public domain. But in terms of stuff more recent, that's not in the public domain. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. The Metamorphosis. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> uh, now, even though there are there are some of the things we talked about, virtues, uh, in the local gaming experience, there are still players who, who are a little bit more solitary. Uh, so are there any plans to introduce, say, practice bots for, the, for these type of gamers? Um, yeah, I'm thinking about that. Um, Maybe I can squeeze something in there, or if you know, it, like I said in an update, that's something I would like to include as well. Um, definitely, I think that it's something I'm a little torn about because the best experience is playing with other people, and I want people to be able to experience that. You know, go ahead and you know invite friends over. Um, maybe you know maybe you can push some people to get together that otherwise would just be at home. Um, and I also think about you know. If I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. I don't want to have a you know a review score hurt because the bots aren't that good. Um, I'd rather just say, you know what, we want to we want to focus on uh, on multiplayer because that's what it's really all about is getting people together and yelling at each other. Right, at that sushi place. No, um, yeah, yeah. Let, <laughs> at a sushi restaurant. Let's talk about cameos. Uh, there are a few in the game now. How did these How did these happen? How did these occur? Um. So. I was just thinking about, you know, what I can do to kind of spice it up, and I think I was playing Super Meat Boy and noticed that they had, you know, some cameos from other games, and so I just kind of reached out to both the people I knew and people I didn't, and, you know, see who bit, so, um, I, I'm, I'm based in San Diego, and so there are a couple of developers down here that I, I knew, like, uh, Andy Schatz from Pocket Watch Games, and so he, he let me use the Monaco characters, and that's how I got a character named Genevieve in there from a game called Cards and Castles. And then some others, I uh, just uh, kind of sent emails in. I was lucky enough that people responded. That's one of the awesome things about indie game developers is that, you know, most of them just want to all help each other. 
so that you know I got uh, Juan Aguacate from Guacamole in the game and I'd never even met those guys before I, I met them for the first time at the PlayStation Experience event and I remember one of their guys was just really stoked to see Juan running around in paper bath. <laughs> the drink box guys. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Now, now Ryan, I have a question for you. Um, yeah. Paper bounds, you know, been making the rounds, uh, whether it packs or locally at uh, Giant Robot. What's the most, what's been the most challenging thing about marketing the title for you? Well, just like from my background, you know, uh, just for those who didn't know um, me, I used to work at like a at RPG company, so niche RPGs, um, going with a, a single player experience, um, and then you know having to go to a multiplayer kind of action based game just for me, and like trying to you know silo or reroute my brain to be able to kind of you know find the right angles, find the, the different press marketing wise has just definitely been you know it's been kind of a, a you know a good learning experience for me, and it's in the end. Um, you know, the game really is starting to get some teeth and, you know, I really feel like it's going to, you know, get to that, that same level, that tier synonymous with, um, you know, Tower Fall or any of those other kind of games that really are at the top tier. And then, you know, just being on PlayStation 4 and not really having um, much other competition right now besides the ones that have already hit, I think it's going to be good. But, yeah, I mean, just uh, trying to kind of work with a, with a, a brawler-style game um, when I didn't have so much experience and just kind of working with RPGs and uh, kind of niche Japanese games has been kind of tough. But, you know, for the most part, and, you know, just going out and reaching out and meeting new people, um, just that cover those particular games as well has been different. And Steam as well. I mean, um, I had only worked on two Steam titles before, uh, you know, and those were, one was kind of Clan of Champions and then the other one was uh, Cladoon. So, the next uh, two, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. So... Which I'm, yeah, which I mean, I'm always waiting for go to uh, for it to go on sale on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> Never does. That thing holds steady. Um, so, one, so what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with, with regards to that, one thing that I think about is um, so a game I'm a big fan of is called Samurai Gun, and I remember I I bought it one time and played it with my roommate, and we both loved it. I think he actually even got a little more into it than I did. Um, and I remember one time he said to me like. You know, just based on the trailer, you know, I, I would don't think I would have bought that. So I'm, he's like, yeah, I'm glad he got that. Because the thing about this style of game is it, it doesn't have the f- glamour and flash of, like, a Call of Duty or, you know, the big 3D games. So it doesn't, like, just through, say, like, online video, doesn't this type of game doesn't sell itself as well as those games do. Um, but when people actually get to play it, they see what it's all about and why it's so much fun. Um, and so that's definitely a challenge because... <laughs> You know, only you can only put it in front of so many people at events like PAX. You know, you a lot more people are gonna just see it online, and so figuring out how to take this chaotic, fast-paced thing with characters flying all over the place and uh, and let people know what what it offers is uh, kind of challenging. Yeah, you know? I, I could see that because looking at uh, first for screenshots and then you know watching a few videos, uh, I didn't really get a handle but then until I actually sat down you know picked up a stick and and started playing it and then it it kind of just gelled and came together um because the videos are like oh, what's going on you know it's a little, little chaotic um but yeah people really have to sit down and play it now when can they uh play it say uh ryan you mentioned ps4 uh steam when and where uh will it be available 
So yeah, um, like uh, like you said, it'll be PS4 and Steam. And uh, Dan, I think it's actually looking to be in a few weeks. Then, right? I don't know if we'll make the end of February, right? Uh, right now, we're looking at early March, um, probably March 10th. I haven't exactly pinned that down, but that's looking like the most likely date. Very cool. Now, one last question. What's next for Dissident Logic and uh, also Mr. Tired Guy? All right. Um, well, I definitely want to continue to support Paperbound with content updates and, uh, you know, do what I can with the community. And then after that, I've got plenty of ideas for what a next game could be. Right now, I'm kind of thinking about a thing that's sort of like a 3D physics puzzle game with crafting elements. Um, like kind of like imagine a game somewhat kind of like Portal, but then you can build things. Very cool, Ryan. For me, just uh, working with my partner in crime, Nicholas Doer, um, kind of doing contract work to survive up here in the lovely state of Washington. But uh, we are working on a title. I don't have. We can't. I can't say anything else. For I may be killed. So. Um, more news on that when I can talk sounds, about it. It sounds really <laughs> serious. <huh? laughs> okay. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate you coming on the show, taking some time to talk about Paper Bound. Thank you. 